Hashtag blessed, part number six. It's so much more than a bumper sticker. It's so much more than a Christian trite saying, throwing in at the end of a conversation, or you're wanting to end an awkward conversation, so you say, be blessed. It's just so much more. It's the 3,000-year-old prayer that God says, I want you to declare it over my people daily. In the present tense, it's still called to be declared over God's people daily, but he's given it to a group of exiles. He says, when you go through your exiles and when you navigate your 40 years in a desert, I want you to declare my blessing, my initiative of blessing, my initiative of love, my initiative of more over my people. Why is it important? It's not because of the song that launched at the beginning of lockdown. It's not because of, uh, of anything. That it's, it's because when I get to know who God is more, I get to know who I am more. When I get to step into the more of the knowledge of God, He begins to reveal the more of His nature and His character to me, and it pulls me in to His story rather than just making, trying to make more and more of my story. I, I want to be all I can be in his story, because that's the one that will last into eternity. My story will fade away. But the story I have in Jesus, that story will stay. And um, so it's important that we understand. You see, the, the Hebrew times and Hebrew culture understand blessings so much more than we do. That's why the Jacob and Esau story and the stealing of a father's blessing was such a massive thing. And too many read that story and go, hmm, he just wanted to be first. No, it's not that. It's so much more their belief and their understanding of the power of blessing. Why? See, in our world and much of the church, sometimes we seem to have a higher belief system about the power of curses than we do about the power of blessing. And God says, actually, I don't want you to give you all your attention to understanding cursing. I want you to be the church who is a blessing to the world around you, to the cities and the nations of this world. And so as we navigate this, I want to take this last moment as we spend five weeks preaching about this initiative of God to bless His people, even as they went into 40 years in a desert. I know we say it like, yeah, six months in lockdown at home with Netflix for 40 years in a desert. I, want, I say, God, teach me in lockdown. Teach me. Please. No deserts. I don't know. Don't they? You know, the Bible says in Deuteronomy, it's amazing. It says their sandals didn't wear out and their clothes didn't wear out for 40 years. I'm pretty sure these Nikes are going to wear out unless God did something spectacular. And so I want to preach today about hashtag be a blessing. Because every blessing received comes with a responsibility. What do you do with that blessing? Some have been gifted with abilities and skills to lead worship, sing like angels, So then what does he do with that? Does he sit at the back, do that at home to his God? Or does he give it away? Well, it comes with sacrifice. And all through lockdown, I've watched this man work his butt off it. I can say butt because we're not on the air right now. <laughs> but on a day job, and then lead a whole citywide worship team, and then lead a life group, and then navigate the closure of a business. And um, <laughs> see, it comes with a responsibility. We just... We just get to receive the gift. But every gift of God given comes with a responsibility. And you want more of the gift? You want more of God in the gift? It comes with pouring out that gift. 
And I watch people being given gifts and keep saying, God, give me more. And I promise you, there's got to be an understanding that every time we receive a blessing, we become a blessing to our world. That's the design. When we understand that, oh, it's give me more, fill up my damn Lord. Bless my damn, fill it up. But we don't realize we're called to open the taps of our dams in our lives to make sure there's a flow into our world in every area. And I'm not just talking finances, I'm talking emotions, I'm talking life and joy and freedom. When we close the taps of our dams and we don't make sure those impact our neighbors and our life, we wonder why the flow stops. Because God calls us to something. uh, You know, this thing of blessing is an interesting story. I don't know about you, but I played in sports teams. And every rugby team I played for, it's like, let's pray. God, let us win. And everyone's like, well, they also praying. Um, God, it's up to you. I don't know. It's like, because we've got such a weird understanding that it's who's best positioned. It's who's been better this week. and, And God says, no, it's not about that. I do the blessing. I choose who I bless. And there's a story and a precedent in the gospel and the word given to a man named Abraham who God just chooses to bless. But there was a catch. And here's the catch. Genesis 12, the call of Abraham. The Lord has said to Abram, who becomes Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Why do you need Abram, God? And why do you need me? Because God wants to bless his people. But then, like he says to Abram, he says to you and me, he says, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. And God just doesn't leave it there. He says, and, uh, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I'm going to touch on that later. But how does number six, as we land it on this Sunday, and we don't land it in our hearts, and we don't just leave it there. That was a good series. No, it's got to be something. We devour. Let the word come into our hearts. No, number six gives us some understanding of what it means to be a blessing. And I want to give you three simple points today. Number one, what does it mean to be a blessing? Speak blessing. Oh, so, so simple, Mark. I know. I'm simple, and that's how it works. But I've realized, and I found myself at times, especially during lockdown. I even realized, Quinton came to me during the break. He said, well, any feedback? And, and, and I didn't go, you did great. I just went, well, maybe this. Like, why? When did critics ever win? Honestly, critics don't win. Critics pick the morsels of the tables they cause chaos on that fall on the ground. We get to feed on that. But critics don't win. People who speak blessing into circumstances, not denial, but blessing into circumstances. See, it's amazing. God says in verse 22 of number 6, Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Just stop there, and you could spend your rest of your life understanding that one line and saying, asking the one question, who is God? The God of heaven and earth and all creation spoke to Moses. Moses wasn't perfect. He was just a guy God poured his favor upon. It's incredible theology right there. Says the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Say it to them, priests. Say it to them. And the mandate comes to the priests of today. 
You see, I get a high priest and he pulls me into something called a royal priesthood. So two Peter tells me, I'm, I'm part of a royal priesthood. You are a royal priesthood. Say this to yourself. I am a priest. Now you've got to say it with a little bit more conviction because we are back at church. I am a priest. So the Bible says to you and it says to me, we are priests. Whose mandate and responsibility is it to speak blessing to all the earth? Us. Not the privilege of a preacher, someone with a platform or a microphone. No, every single son and daughter of the living God gets a mouth. But here's what the Bible tells us about this mouth and this thing called a tongue. Proverbs 18, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Okay. Proverbs 12, verse 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. I wish I could tell you this tongue had always brought healing. Now this tongue grew up in a very small body with a lot of small man syndrome. And this tongue learned to be a very big muscle. And God had to get a hold of this tongue. In his presence, time and time again, rebuke after rebuke from brothers and fathers and people who love me and the rebuke of heaven time and time again. And I still fail. James 3, verse 3 to 6, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. It's the Bible. The power of the tongue. See, the world understands the tongue. Winston Churchill mastered the English language and sent it out to war. He, he just took a language and used his tongue. He didn't fight on any front battles, and he, he didn't shoot any guns, and yet... His tongue caused a nation to win a war they were losing. What's the potential of a believer's tongue when they speak blessing? See, I'm telling you, in these times of COVID-19, we have to make sure that the weapons we are given we use for kingdom purposes. And as Christians, there is a call and a mandate to be speaking more of heaven than spewing more of earth. That was really good, so one of you has to agree. That's just how it works. We're back at church. You're not behind a TV screen, and I can actually hear you now. So I'm going to say it again. We are called to speak more of heaven than spew more of earth. Even Gabriel watching in your bath right now. But I'm telling you, the best critic never works, wins. And we aren't called to spew more of earth. We're called to speak heaven to our earth. Secondly, if you want to be a blessing, there's a cost. Oh, Mark, you're giving us the T's and C's. I know. I'm sorry. There's a cost. And the cost is this. You're a priest. So who did the mandate get given to? The mandate got given to the priest. They said, speak every day over the people. Well, think about that. What could they not do? They didn't have iPhones. They didn't have black magic cameras. And they didn't have Johan. They couldn't beam it to the people in the desert. They had to go with and every day in the desert, every day when the people grumbled, every day when they were dissatisfied, every day when the people were like, I'd rather go back to slavery. And they wake up every morning. Now we just see it on Facebook. But they had to hear it every morning. 
and the cost of being one to deliver a blessing is they had to be in the world of the ones they were called to bless. And there's a cost to being a blessing. It's, but it comes with an incredible privilege. We are blessed to be a blessing. And when I embrace that and I understand that, I start stepping into something of the Abrahamic blessing and covenant God made with Abraham. I step into it and I start participating in it. But here was the cost. Go from your country. Oh, but God, these aren't the days of, of kind of human rights and visas. No, these are the days you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Bye-bye. Those were those days. He says, you're going to leave that safety and leave your father's house. But, but God, that's my future. That's my family. That's my inheritance. That's our culture. He says, no, I'm going to ask you to leave all of that behind. Why? Because I want you to be a blessing. And he says, go to the land. I will show you. He didn't even tell him where he was going. He just says, I'll show you. You want to be a blessing? Here's a, there's a cost. Number three, and the time makes things tricky, but number three, be consistent in blessing. Most amazing thing, 3,000 years this prayer has been play, prayed in synagogues, in rituals, Jewish rituals. It's been prayed and played. No, that's not Jerry's fault. That was me. Um, it's been prayed in churches. I've heard it prayed hundreds of times, but I've never understood it properly. What does it mean to have God's gracious, be gracious to me? And then I realize how ungracious I can be sometimes. And then I realize how consistently gracious God has been. Consistently. See, I was a 19-year-old at church. And I'm going, thank you for this blessing of salvation. Thank you, God. But you know I'm 19 and I just really want to experiment what the world has to offer. God says, I'm going to be gracious with you, but there's a cost. See, Jeremiah describes God, uh, the, the, the word of the Lord. He says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31 verse 3. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I've never heard those words at a funeral. I've just never heard them. And yet, that's the testimony of my Father in heaven. As a parent, it's tough. Quarter past five, the kids are up. Bah, bah, bah. Hear them alarm. Beep, beep, beep. Dogs up the stairs. Someone, someone's fighting about cereal. Next minute, it's the PlayStation. Next minute, it's the iPad. Next minute, Dad, the internet's not working. And then it's all there. And then it's, I mean, and now it's only 20 to 6. That was literally 20, 15 minutes of my every day. Every day. Just say this word with me. Every day. It's a real thing. And I'm going, God... I want to be consistent in my love. See, who is God? Exodus 34, God reveals himself to just a man who just happens to be the man who receives this word from God, who hands it to his mate Aaron, who says, pray this of the people every day. But God had to reveal something to a man. He says, I'm going to reveal myself to you. And he says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious one. Not Moses. God's describing himself. He says, Slow to anger. Some of you are squirming in your seats right now. You've got that tight butt thing on the chair because you haven't always been slow to anger. <laughs> Abounding in love and faithfulness. Maintaining every day, every hour, 
every minute, COVID or no COVID, love to thousands. And forgiving wickedness, rebellion. And see, see, sometimes I struggle to have capacity just to love one, if I'm being brutally honest. And like you, lockdown's had its highs. I think I spent six months on some kind of high. And then I just said, guys, get out of my garage, get out. This is just too much. I need to breathe. And then I go to God, ah, but you still called me to love and be gentle and be gracious. Why? Because he's blessed me. So he says, I've called you to be a blessing. So how to be a blessing? Number one, speak blessing. And I want to remind you, 1 Peter 2 verse 9, I quoted 2 Peter earlier, 1 Peter 2 verse 9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. That means you are priests who get to declare blessing, whether things are good or bad in the land. Declare blessing. Number two, blessing has a price. It has a cost. The highest price has been paid, but the question still rings out, will you go? Will you give? Will you love? Will you pour out? This is the gospel. Jesus says, will you love your enemies? Will you pray for them? I've made a table for you amongst your enemies. He flips everything on its head. Oh, Mark, that's not relevant in COVID. It's 100% relevant in COVID. Will you love the unlovable? Number three, will you be consistent? 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7. Quoted at weddings for days but possibly, probably never lived up to fully. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Always hopes. Always perseveres. See, I've done all four of those things, but I wish always was the perfect descriptor of my life. The word always. But I want to mention one thing as we land it ends like this, the prayer after the Lord give you peace. Verse 27, so they will put my name. Who's they? It's the priests. As they pray, they will put my name on the Israelites. And I will bless them. And can I just take a moment on the word them? Because I've seen the word them used in anger. The word they used in conspiracy theories. They've messed up this country. It's them. They did this. It's they created this virus. It's them who make my job intolerable. It's them who messed up this. It's they. It's them. It's they. It's them. And God says, I've called you to pray a blessing over they and them. And I'm telling you, the gospel doesn't let us off. Which means we've got to bring our theys and thems before the living God. But don't bring them before God. Bring yourself before God. And let him reveal a love that reaches they and them. And then the blessing will start to flow from the dams of our lives. And you'll see miracles. You'll see grace. See, what if the church became famous for blessing they and them rather than famous on the social media platforms of our world for telling everybody whose fault it is? We are famous for shouting at the world whose fault it is. We're just famous for it. Let's change our fame and become famous for something different. See, Jesus said it this way, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of the Father in heaven. And Abraham, the mandate to Abraham was this, I will bless you and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. If your social media was a lens through which the blessing of God could flow as a conduit, would it flow to all? Because if it wouldn't, there's a problem. But take it back to the pillow talk of our lives. And if the pillow talk of our lives were the conduit through which God could bless the world and pour out more blessing on our lives, could it flow?